the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees. I'm a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual properties laws. Some of you say, well, that's a strange mix. Well, it's because I am a strange person. <laughs> in my earlier life, <laughs> I was a uh, computer person, a systems design consultant for um, AT&T and its former iterations. In fact, when I worked for it, it was called Pacific Bell a long time ago. And um, I uh, really love technology, even now. I love computers, playing around with computers. And a lot of my friends are um, technologists, and some of them started businesses. And so I uh, get to tap into their intellect periodically. And then I subsequently started a couple small businesses, and I thought it was really good that I understand about business, so I went back to school. And um, before I got my law degree, uh, some business degrees, and then after I got my law degree, I got a specialization in tax law because I think that everyone should know a little bit about tax law because most small businesses eventually will run up against those lovely people at the Internal Revenue Service or the Franchise Tax Board or sometimes both. And, you know, since I'm practicing bankruptcy, just about all of my clients have issues with taxes. So that comes in handy. Uh, and I got both of my master's degrees from my favorite alma mater. And notwithstanding what some people say about San Francisco, I think it's one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And that's where Golden Gate University is headquartered in beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my experience, my expertise, and my interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I sometimes have an opportunity to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who are my favorite class of people as I more and more get closer to being one myself. And I just love being able to help them uh, deal with some of the ugly forms of financial elder abuse that are running rampant in our society today, unfortunately. And as always, I'm pleased to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting families and small business owners. But once again, I have to share my caveat. This show doesn't provide legal advice. 
and nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, and I really, truly mean this, representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one that is about keeping a roof over your kid's head and feeding them, uh, I'm talking about the money now, uh, you know, you really should contemplate before you represent yourself because your lack of knowledge, and I'm not being disrespectful because some of you are brilliant, but your lack of knowledge about the law and especially the procedures will put you in behind the eight ball, let's put it that way, because it's like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Everybody else in the courtroom will be well-equipped to deal with whipping your behind, and I'll put that nicely. And, uh, you know, even, you know, when you take a butter knife to a gunfight, the best you can do is scratch your opponent. You know, maybe poke them in the eye if you let them get close, but you got to remember they got weapons in. You're not going to get too close to them. So, in fact, you're valid claim or your righteous defense will likely see the promised land long before you do. So again, the purpose of this show is to talk about legal issues impacting money and unfortunately the lack thereof and anything to do with your finances that I think you should consider if you want to protect your family's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these contexts in this non-threatening educational forum. And once again, I've heard from some of you out there in Radio Land, and I sincerely appreciate it because, I, you know, I get really good uh, ideas about shows, and sometimes I'm able to uh, answer your questions, and if I can't answer them, point you in the direction of someone who can answer the questions. And so it, it, it's really great to, to hear from people out there because sometimes I think I'm talking to myself. <laughs> it's good to know that I'm not. Uh, great. And because I've heard from some of you and, um, you know, really strange, uh, not really strange questions, but, you know, these are kind of things that I think about, so I don't know that others are interested. But because of that, I'm going to broach a couple of public policy subjects that I think should be front and center in most of our minds um, as individuals and families see more and more the effect of automation as it impacts jobs and employment opportunities for our American workforce. So today I'm going to discuss a couple of acronyms that are out there in the ether, and I don't think people realize that I, well, I think they're interrelated. Not many people do, but I want to talk about AI and UBI. AI stands for artificial intelligence, and UBI stands for universal basic income. And some of you are saying, well, what do they have to do with each other? Well, let's just see. You know, many researchers and economists involved in studying employment trends in the West have come to the conclusion that as more and more companies use artificial intelligence-based automation to transform more and more jobs that these companies consider to be routine, and by routine, I'm going to go back into my programmer days, 
And that is to say jobs involving functions that can be broken down into component parts or sets of subroutines that can be mapped out and coded into a computer program that can in turn be fed into and mimicked by a robot. These so-called routine jobs that by and large provide employment for large numbers of folks here in this country who do not have college degrees, unfortunately, large numbers of these folks will find that their jobs are going to be gone and they are going to be displaced in the workforce, thereby limiting their ability to derive the income they need to provide for themselves and their families. As such, some in the public policy arena today are asking what can and must be done to help these displaced workers provide for themselves and their families. Some believe that the provisioning of universal basic income may provide at least a part of that solution. So just what is universal basic income anyway? Well, UBI, or universal basic income, is a government guarantee that each person will receive a minimum income. It's also called citizen's income in some quarters, guaranteed minimum in quarters in in others, and basic income in still others. The intention behind the payment is to provide enough to cover at least the basic costs of living and provide families, individuals and families, with some source of financial security. So who are some of the proponents of UBI? There are quite a few. For example, you might not know this, but way back in 1967, Martin Luther King Jr. said a guaranteed income would abolish poverty. That means reducing income inequality as well. Also, famed economist Milton Friedman proposed a negative income tax. The poor would receive a tax credit if their income fell below a minimum level, and it would be the equivalent to a tax payment for families earning above the minimum level. Hmm, think about that. And in 2018, Facebook co-founder, Chris Huge outlined his plan in his book called Fair Shot. He argues that U.S. workers, students, and caregivers making $50,000 or less should receive a guaranteed income of $500 a month. Cash is the best thing that you can do to improve health outcomes, educational outcomes, and lift people out of poverty, this according to Mr. Hughes. Hughes's guaranteed income is financed by a tax on the top 1% and would work through as a modernization of an earned income tax. To Hughes, it's it's the only solution to an economy where a small group of people are getting very, very wealthy while everyone else is struggling to make ends meet. Again, according to Hughes, automation and globalization have destroyed the employment market It has created a lot of part-time contract temporary jobs, but these positions aren't enough to provide a decent standard of living. And even Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates agree. So 
they go on to say that artificial intelligence will take too many jobs from people, and even Elon Musk, who has some has had some undoing lately, he thinks it's something that we should do. So uh, when we come back, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about automation's negative impact on employment and how UBI may serve as a potential tool to combat that negative impact. But we'll be take a short break. We'll be right back. <laughs> back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on job automation and the universal basic income as a potential tool to combat wage loss as we find more and more of our jobs are automated. And I just want to share with you this is impacting um, low-skilled or underskilled workers, but it's also having an impact on high-skilled workers, such as myself in the law. More and more of us are finding that we have to use automation to compete with big firms. And I actually think it's an advantage to be a small firm who uh, has you know one or more people in it who are highly skilled in technology. But just think about it. Many of the jobs that used to be done by newly minted lawyers, such as doing a lot of discovery work, that work is um, basically uh, outsourced to individuals or companies that specialize with uh, AI to do a lot of that preliminary uh, discovery work and research work. And I use a couple of services that help me um, you know, do my research, and some of it's AI-based. So it's not, again, I'm just saying this to show you that it's not just low-skill workers. It's any job that's routine in nature, even the routine uh, parts of highly skilled jobs, such as lawyers and even doctors. And um, doctors is a very fascinating uh, field where AI is being used for um, remote diagnosis and treatment. Some of the robots that are being used are communicated through long-distance telephone links, including satellite links. And so this is an area for young people. That's why I urge young people, please get involved in STEM at an earlier an age as possible so that when you become an adult, you can you know take advantage of these uh, new horizons in employment and also do things to maybe help save our planet, and, and help do things that can uh, help to take care of people that are not as fortunate as you are by using your highly skilled brain to solve all kinds of problems, and there are lots of problems to be solved. So uh, I, I want to look at a, a, a couple of studies to uh, share with you uh, about how the intersection of AI and UBI might be able to uh, be used to come up with a good result. Uh, I, I uh, want to share with you first uh, some information from the Brookings Institute, and they produced a paper back at the beginning of the year on January 24th, 2019, entitled Automation and Artificial Intelligence, How Machines Are Affecting People and Places, and it was written by Mark Muro and Robert Maxim and Jacob Witten 
They're all uh, fellows at the Brookings Institute. And I also want to share uh, some research that uh, just was shared with me at the beginning of the week by Gallup. They released a, a, a finding of a poll that they took entitled Universal Basic Income Favored in Canada and the U.K., but not so much in America. And it was compiled by R.J. Reinhardt. So first, let's look at what Brookings has to say. Uh, they say the gravest disruption from automation in the coming decades will affect men, young workers, and underrepresented groups. In English, that means people of color. There is finally one more compelling set of variations in the way automation may affect society and the economy. These variations reflect the fact that just as automation's disparate effect are going to pressure particular jobs, industries, and places in different ways, they're also going to affect demographic groups unevenly. In this respect, the sharp segmentation of the labor market by gender, age, and racial ethnic identity ensures that some demographic groups are likely to bear more of the burden of adjusting to AI, this AI era, than others. The probable dividers are sharp, that is to say, men, Young workers and unrepresented groups all appear likely to face significantly more acute challenges from automation in the next phase than women, prime age workers, and Caucasians. Male workers, to begin with, appear notably more vulnerable to potential failures that automation will bring on than women. Such overexposure reflects the fact that men have significantly overrepresented themselves in occupations with higher automation risks. And again, it's it's because the job that they do, men, can be broken down into subroutines, coded, and fed into robots and mimicked by robots. Men, for example, make up over 70% of the production occupation, manufacturing jobs, over 80% of the transportation occupation, truck drivers, taxi cab drivers, Uber drivers, and over 90% of construction and installation occupations. All occupational groups with current task loads that have above average projected automation exposure. Those uh, in the case, in, they're seeing, though in the case of construction, only slightly. That's because my dad and my uncle were in business together. They built houses. They were general contractors. That's very labor intensive. And because the houses that they built were unique it, it was not something necessarily that a computer could do. Same can be said for today. However, as more and more homes are manufactured off-site and component parts are built in a, in a facility that men or robots could build, and more and more robots are building them, and then the components, the walls, the roofs, um, are, are brought to the site after the foundation is laid, 
that is where construction work and installation installation work is going to be an area that's going to be negatively impacted by artificial intelligence, automation, and robots. He goes on to say, Brookings goes on to say, by contrast, women comprise upward of 70% of the labor force in relatively safe uh, occupations, such as health care, personal service, and educational occupations, all of which encompass positions with relatively low automation risk, and I'm going to put in for now. So that's what, what Brookings is trying to share is men who, in our society, historically were breadwinners because they did jobs that were in the area of manufacturing, and you did not need to have an advanced degree. Sometimes you didn't need to have a degree at all to work in a car manufacturing facility where you did basically a routine job of putting the windshields on and putting the um, uh, hood on an automobile as it worked its way down the assembly line. I'm not being disrespectful, but that assembly line put many people in America to work and gave them a standard of living where they were they entered into the middle class and were able to feed themselves, house themselves, and most importantly, send their kids to college to give them a good start. Those jobs are going away. So that's why I'm, I'm talking on this subject today. That's a symptom of a greater problem that we need to figure out how we're going to help these individuals replace their income. And Brookings also goes on to share that um, this negative impact of automation on employment opportunities is going to impact different areas uh, differently. Uh, Again, men in the aggregate face slightly more change in the future uh, labor market than women. Um, And it goes on to say that the average male worker in this respect occupies jobs where 42.6% of current tasks are automatable, whereas women's jobs face an average automation potential of current tasks of only, well, comparatively less, 39.6% compared to uh, women. So that's a 17% gap. And then uh, Brookings goes on to to share about the different areas in our society, in our country, that are going to be uh, impacted. Uh, Communities like uh, in the Midwest, where there was large manufacturing base, they're going to be impacted more than others. So how does um, uh, UBI, Universal Basic Income, play into this? Well, Gallup recently did a survey, and they asked Americans, uh, uh, citizens of America, citizens of the United Kingdom, and citizens of Canada how they felt about uh, using UBI as a, a stopgap against uh, automation. And 70, 77% of those in the U.K. thought UBI was something worthwhile. 75% of adults polled in Canada also agreed with their brothers and sisters from the United Kingdom, but only 43% of Americans support universal basic income. 
And a lot of it had to do with this American idea of we don't take nothing from nobody. We don't believe in welfare. We work for what we need. And, you know, we need to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Well, I'm not saying that I don't agree with that. I I really do. But if there's going to be a concentration in the number of jobs available to Americans, we need to consider how we're going to help them replace their income. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But in closing, as I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of economics and how they impact our future income and employment opportunities for our families and our financial well-being. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.